Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is yet another diversion from the alphabetical path. Um, you may have caught Metallichamp just recently, um, which was a really fun episode. Really enjoyed doing that, you know. Uh, maybe I need to make it harder, it seemed, or maybe the contestants were just so uh, goddamn good. Shout out John, shout out Andy. Um, more Metallichamp coming soon, I promise you. Um, I'm working on questions as I speak. I've been That's what I've been spending my days doing, just thinking of like fiendish Metallichamp. You know, I'm not going to give any away here, but uh, Metallichamp 2 is coming. Let's get that plug over with. Uh, at MetallicaPod, uh, support the podcast any way you can by following us on Twitter, patreon.com forward slash alpha Metallica. If you want to help support the show, everything on this channel uh, is on the Patreon first. The Patreon's essentially a preview system, I suppose. You know, um, you get to see things weeks, you know, maybe a month or so before it comes out on the main channel. Stephanie Definitely check that out as well if you want to help support. Get at me, metallicapod at gmail.com, as my guest today did. You know, just get in touch. If you want to come on the show, let me know. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to cover? Do you want to do a song? You know, or, you know, you can get on the show earlier if you do just like, a, you know, an album an album or a live album, I should say, is what we're doing today or some sort of, you know, other a peculiar metallicarism. But, uh, yeah, get in touch with me there. Leave a review on iTunes, um, all that stuff. But, yeah, I just want to jump into today's album, really. Hugely, hugely excited to get into this. This, for me, is like a such an interesting, uh, you know, oddball release by this incredible band. You know, uh, obviously it makes all sense in sort of the Cliff lineage to a certain extent. He's obviously echoed throughout this in, in multiple passages, multiple ways. But as a, as a thing to have came out, to have been released uh, November 23rd, 1999, this is uh, S&M, Metallica, and the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra, if you're not familiar with this. I don't know where you've been, really. It's one of those ubiquitous Metallica releases that I think everybody's kind of heard. Everyone knows this. Uh, you know, everyone enjoys it. And it's not going to just be myself as ever. It's a guest. And uh, it's the man, Russell. How's it going, man? Hey, I'm doing well, Tom. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm jealous of you before we even get into this, man. <laughs> because you saw this. You saw the beast that was Metallica and an orchestra. You saw them live, right? I did. I did. I went to the uh, Madison Square Garden show. Sixth row. I was six. I was sixth row. I was actually behind the stage. It was pretty interesting. They uh, they opened up seats behind the actual orchestra, and uh, but it was great. I mean, visibility. You could see everything. Um, I was uh, kind of right behind where uh, Kirk's placement was, mm. and uh, man, it was it was so surreal. Uh, it it really was. It was fantastic. Was it the same set list? I guess it kind of has to be, doesn't it, for the accompaniment. It was the same set list. I actually went back and reviewed some of the uh, YouTube footage just to make sure that I didn't um, miss anything, that nothing else was added. But it was. It was the same set list as uh, the CD. Mm. And, um, I did, you know, after going back over the uh, video, I noticed that there were a couple of um, additions that they made to, uh, you know, one or two of the songs. And even going through the YouTube comments, I noticed... Um, uh, you know, some of the additions that they had made, which I found kind of interesting, even though they just did the show, you know, I mean, they only played this show three, four times mm -hmm. just to add those little bits. I mean, you know, they didn't record it for anything. So I found that um, pretty fascinating. Mm -hmm. And as if to immortalize it further in a kind of macabre, you know, quite tragic way, Michael Kamen, um, the composer is no longer with us. So this music kind of locked, you know, with him and Metallica as this kind of eternal uh, combination there. I mean, he and them, right? It worked so well. It did. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I was um, I was telling you in the email, I mm. bought a uh, I bought yeah. a T-shirt at the show. $75, right? $75 <laughs> for one T-shirt. Yeah. It had uh, it had three dates on it. 
And, uh, you know, they had the California show, which was two nights. Uh, they had the Madison Square Garden show, and then they had the Belgium show. Right. And on the back of the um, on the back of the shirt was just a silhouette of Michael Kamen conducting the orchestra. And uh, really, really just a beautiful image of him. And when he passed away, um, yeah, that was the one thing that I thought. I was just so lucky to be able to see him live. Do you still have the show? No, I don't. Uh, you know, I I wore it until it just sure. became a shred of <laughs> fabric, basically. Uh, but the uh, the front of the shirt was the same as the front of the uh, album cover. Okay, okay. Um, and you, we should say, generally as a Metallica fan, uh, the load era was when you started, uh, you know, listening, right? Yeah, I was in. Uh, middle school and funny enough I had I had grown up in New Jersey and I moved away for a few years to Chicago and I came back when we moved back to the same town that I grew up in and my friends had sort of like you know grown up with each other and I had kind of come back and uh, you know I was sort of misplaced but they had all started listening to Metallica and uh, they were all talking about it I had never listened to it I went to my local library and uh, I remember checking out the Black Album and that was that was my first real introduction to it. They had load and reload. Uh, you know, my buddies had the or they had load, and I remember they were talking about it. And maybe I had listened to you know until it sleeps or or something like that. But it wasn't until I took that out black album home and popped it on and heard Enter Sandman where I said, Oh my goodness! You know, I mean, I was I was I was locked in, and uh, that sort of brought me back into the group. Uh, you know, with those guys. So we had that commonality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as it's continued then, has it just been devout for you, you know, from that point, listening wise? 100%, man. Um, it actually really wasn't long after that where I asked my dad, who's a uh, professional musician, I asked him to teach me how to play guitar because um, it was at that time, it was Metallica and Aerosmith for me. I was, I'm was i also a diehard right. Aerosmith. Right. America's rock band, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, go figure. Mm -hmm. But uh, I wanted to learn how to play like Joe Perry and I wanted to oh, learn yeah. how to play like James. And the first song I learned how to play from Metallica was uh, was Nothing Else Matters, of course. I think that's mm. sort of one of those that most guitar players kind of start out with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're such a great band when you're learning an instrument to sort of test yourself on because they have some incredibly hard tracks, some mm -hmm. quite easy songs from, say, Load Era or something. Like, they're kind of good beginner tracks to learn just in terms of their groove. But, you know, if you really want to test your metal, they can send you insane as a player. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, even something as simple as one, you know, mm. you can the intro riff to one pretty easily, but once... The drums start picking up, and and you know the Kirk's guitar comes in, and they kind of quicken the pace a little bit. Then it becomes a little bit more complicated, and it really, you know, learning Hetfield's um, picking style, you know, his triplets and things like that. That was really what what you know what excelled me as as a guitar player, um, learning that style, and then of course learning to sing and play at the same time, which Hetfield is, uh, you know, he's in his own he's in his own category. Oh on that front but uh um it really made me you know i mean james hetfield is is god amongst men <laughs> he really is yeah he really is <laughs> yeah um and uh, maybe not a god uh, but a titan in his own realm um it's quite sad to see 
uh, Russell, that this is the final Metallica album with Jason? Yeah, I read that. You know, going through um, the wiki just to kind of get brushed up for this interview. Yeah, it, it was the it was the final um, release for Jason. And you know, I got into Metallica during the Jason era, and so Jason is sort of my my bass player from Metallica. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and even though you know technically he might not be the greatest in the world, he's such a you know he he had a way of pumping up the crowd. He was so vital to a lot of their songs and and i actually saw metallica maybe like a year or two later after the snm concert and i was standing right in front of him you know almost front row hmm. and uh, i'll never forget when they played whiplash and he's and you know they let him sing it and uh man that guy could just he could just kill it i mean he just pumped that crowd up and uh he was just mesmerizing so he was my bass player i, mm -hmm. I really i really liked him a lot mm -hmm. and you know uh, in terms of the genesis of this it, it's quite strikingly original for something like metallica but in the sort of rock pantheon of albums there's been quite a lot um of this sort of stuff if they talk about it especially in mick wall's um enter night you know there'd been like uh rick wakeman uh deep purple had apparently uh -huh. done this you know concerto for group and orchestra richie richie blackmore was you know mad for that sort of stuff also roger waters performed pink floyd's the wall in berlin in 1990 with an east german symphony orchestra so uh -huh. you know th there is this lineage here what, what what is that to you are you a fan of that kind of combo or absolutely man i mean i love people who take chances um and i've seen the roger water I'm, i mean pink floyd is one of my all-time all-time favorite bands and i've pretty much devoured as much of them as i have metallica mm. but um i find it I find it just fascinating when people want to take uh, when, when they take risks like that. And, you know, when I heard that Metallica was doing this, um, I mean, I was in high school. I was a uh, junior in high school when when S&M or when the concert was coming out. And uh, man, it's just it's just so different and just such a unique way to look at things. And, you know, from my perspective, I thought, well, if Metallica is doing it, it's got to be cool, mm. you know, <laughs> Um so, yeah, I mean, I will – and I, the Scorpions did one too. I don't know if you've ever oh, okay. heard that. No. <clears throat> but the Scorpions did a um, – uh, uh, they have an album where they played with the uh, London Philharmonic. I believe I could be wrong about that, but they did an, an album with an orchestra, Eric Clapton. Um, and actually it was Michael Kamen with Eric mm -hmm. Clapton. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mm -hmm. thought it was just fantastic. And this, this was 1999. Um, I, unfortunately, in real time, was too young really to appreciate this. Um, but yourself being a fan from the load era, do you remember being, was there hype building towards this release or? Yes. And actually I remember the album came out the same day as the concert. Right. So when I was on the way, see, I lived in North Jersey and I went with a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Brian Henley. Um, unfortunately he passed away a few years after this concert. So this, this concert actually does, you know, it kind of holds a special place for me, uh, just because I got to see it with him. But um, his mother drove us <laughs> to the concert because we were, you know, 16, 17 years old. We drove to the city, which was maybe 45 minutes away. And they were playing the album on K-Rock, uh, the, uh, the same station that Stern was on. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were playing the album. And then after they played the album, they were live streaming the Madison Square Garden show. And I, um, they record you know they they played it and then they would play it the next couple of nights over and over and i remember recording it on a cassette um 
But the hype, you know, my friends, when I told them that I had gotten to that I had snagged tickets, I mean, it would sent them into a jealous rage (laughs) because, you know, when do you get to see Metallica? Like, can you see Metallica? Like, I didn't even realize you could go see Metallica. I mean, that's the kind of that's the age we were at. So is it is it even possible? Are you going to get beat up at the you know? Um, So. uh, So, yeah, the hype was was unreal. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And I mean, this is a duet at its core, essentially, between Michael Caine and his orchestra and Metallica. You know, it's where we get the very clever S&M name from, um, you know, which is always very cute. The album cover as well is I, I really like the way it's kind of framed almost with the black bars and, and you know, the sort of classic uh, music beneath it. And then the orchestra in the middle. It's perfect. Yeah. The, the minimalist style. Um, the not titles having... as well. Yeah. Yeah, just the title alone, S and M, flipping the treble clef mm. around to mm. look like S, having just the yeah. sort of having James in the front, but not seeing his face, yeah. and really making the music kind of the main part. I mean, the the whoever their marketing guy was for that uh, just absolutely, you know, killed it. That was it was amazing. Mm. It's mm. perfect. Mm. And <laughs> apparently, Cayman um, Michael had studied Metallica's music for six months. Um, this was the equivalent that he reckoned of completing free movie soundtracks. I believe it. You know, one of the things that I found really surprising watching the behind the scenes video, mm. which you can find on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Um, there really wasn't a whole lot of it didn't look like there was a whole lot of preparation on Metallica's part, mm. you know, from the video, I mean, I could be way wrong about this, but Michael came and came in, you know, he did his preparation, like you said, he came in and it looks like they had three, four days tops of rehearsing with the, uh, the orchestra. I, I could be way wrong about that. I, I, that was just the impression that I got from the video. Um, but, uh, you know, they had maybe like four days of rehearsal and, and that was it. And then they, you know, the tickets went on sale and they went in there and did it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I suppose I was reading something by James recently, and he was saying that he couldn't really hear the orchestra when he was playing, and it was just kind of only later it was a piece of the puzzle slotting in, which is odd to consider. I mean, I imagine so. You know, the roar of the crowd, there's so many things going on. I'm sure he had, uh, it looked like he had some sort of earpiece then maybe, and uh, he has to pay attention to the drums. I mean, he has to be right on the money with Lars, and Lars has to be right on with the orchestra. So, you know, when you're in the moment like that, I can imagine that. I can imagine just focusing on what you're playing and just trying to stay on beat with the rest of the, uh, you know, with the drums. Mm. And I would it's fair to say, Russell, like a lot of things in Metallica's career, it's a bit of a risk, but it paid off handsomely. Yeah, you know, they really have a golden touch. I mean, there have been some stumbles along the way, but this this one in particular, it was just so different. Nobody saw it coming. And, you know, on paper, it probably doesn't sound like the best idea in the world, right. but... You know, when you put that orchestra behind Call of Cthulhu and one, it's just they they make so much sense. Um, you know, I would love to hear. I, ha- I I still haven't looked it up. I meant to look it up before the uh, interview, but I'd love to hear the, you know, the orchestra standalone. Um, you know, without Metallica uh, playing, just, just just the backing music. I mm. wish they had released something like that. 
And the, uh, what I've detected in my very primitive caveman appreciation of classical music, I've got to be honest, I'm not, you know, I've, I've tried to get into classical music. I've had friends who are into sort of metal and rock or whatever like me, and they also love classical. And they, I, I like neoclassical guitar, but I'm mm-hmm. not really into uh, classical music per se. But, you know, watching it behave on S&M, it kind of seems to have two functions, essentially, what Cayman's doing. It's either kind of intricate garnish dressing on songs, a la Kula, Call of Cthulhu, the opener, where it's interesting kind of inversions, counter melody, etc. Or it's a more of a kind of, you know, when you get an electric keyboard and when you press a key and it sounds like the orchestra. It's like someone's doing that with the riffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I noticed there's, a, um, I think you're absolutely right. I mean... Call of Cthulhu is probably the best example of that um, yeah. garnishing. It, um, you know, whenever I listen to it, I always think of ocean waves crashing. That's mm. kind of, that's kind of the visual I get when I hear it, especially when, uh, when, when Lars and everybody comes in and crashes on that first, you know, that first verse of it. Mm. But then you listen to Battery, and they're <laughs> basically just yeah. accenting the hits. Sure. Um. Which is, I mean, I mean that's just it. It just makes it more fun. It just mm-hmm. makes it more fun. I don't think every song, you know, like I don't, I, I don't think every song was right for the orchestra. Um, but I mean, why not? You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we should say there was good, there's some songs that they intended to put on there, uh, but couldn't for any reason. Uh, Wasting my hate, which to me has always been quite an empty load riffer. I wouldn't have liked to have heard that with an orchestra. Yeah, um, you know what? I like that song. Okay. Um, it's not one of my favorite songs by them, but um, it's just a short, sweet kind of like it's like the motor breath of the album. If Good that's day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, it's just a simple da 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 da. You know, um, yeah, it has pace. But I, I'm I'm look. I would love to have seen uh, Low Man's lyric. Right. Yeah. You know, it's one of those overlooked songs, and I think that, you know, I mean, the first ones that jump out is obviously, you know, Fate to Black or Unforgiven. I mean, those two would have been yeah. just absolutely fantastic, and for whatever reason, they, you know, they, they didn't do it. But um, Low Man's Lyric, I felt just, you know, it's one of those songs that they maybe could have made more popular since it was on S&M, but... Um, you know, the fact that they didn't go for it. I mean, you just trust their judgment. I love that they put the new songs on there, you know, Minus mm. Human and uh, uh, No Leaf Clover. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, we'll, we'll get to those. We're going to do a little uh, track by track, um, a la uh, Metal of Your Podcast. Shout out those guys. I'm, cool. I, was, I was on their show. Um, you know, listen to that episode, definitely. I'm going to keep plugging that for a little while. Um, they also <laughs> had Harvester of Sorrow. They were trying to do Mama Said, Ronnie, mm. uh, and yeah. Justice for All, the 10 minute like, again... I thought that could have been going. I can imagine them oh. going. Like, Still hear that? Epic! That would have mm-hmm. been amazing. Um, and Ronnie too. Ronnie is one of those Ronnie, songs yeah. that just. I love that song. I love that riff. I love how mm. Lars's kick drum comes in off beat. You know, in the beginning, he's kind of going like counterintuitive to what the um, guitar was doing. And um, you know, I don't know if that would have been the most perfect song for the orchestra, but I mean, that's such a great, great song. And Injustice for All would have been just absolutely killer mm. it would have been great to see some like you know dire's eve just you know what sure. what are you thinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's a great, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into the songs. Um, and I guess I should start visually for you. We'll talk a little bit about the video that accompanies it as well. It's just such an incredible visage to see this band we love, you know, with near enough 100 musicians behind them and all their sheets are Metallica sheets. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's really it was really funny. And uh, I remember walking up to the railing and I could see the sheets because I was behind the orchestra. And I remember just looking over and I distinctly remember seeing Enter Sandman. And I thought, wow, that's so cool. I wonder if I could snag one. I wonder if uh, I wonder if somebody will hand me one of those sheets oh, because uh, that would be such a great souvenir. Mm -hmm. But so surreal to see Enter Sandman on on music sheets like that, watching guys in tuxes, you know, kind of yeah. perform. That. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit in the video actually where it, they're just about to start fuel and Kirk's kind of riding at the fretboard. And you see a guy turn a page and it's just fuel at the top, you know, <laughs> where, where you'd normally see like the third symphony of, you know, it's just fuel. And, uh, right. It's great watching the guys keep up, watching them keep up with like, uh, yeah, just keep up with fuel or battery, and they're just like frantically, you know, strumming or or moving their hands and flipping the pages and sweating, and their hair's getting all messed up. It's hilarious. It, say, yeah. it says a lot about the pedigree of the musicians, the symphony musicians that accompany them, because I, I think even great metal players, a la Hetfield, would struggle if you know the tables were turned, but they can sort of adapt. It seems. That is unbelievable to me, you know, that they can flip from something like, you know, traditional classic mu classical music to playing something as fast as, you know, battery, um, you know, the, because when you listen and when you kind of try to isolate, um, you know, battery, you know, or even like the ending of uh, one, um, man, they're just they're just moving at such crazy speed and, you know, being able to keep up with Metallica, uh, these and a lot of them were older. Um, mm. A lot of the musicians were; they're yeah. not young at all. No, no, no. So, uh, yeah, no, it was it was that was incredible. Just it speaks to their musicality, absolutely. And I mean, this Call of Cthulhu intro is kind of a yeah, it's a great introduction for a, the mega beast of Metallica and classical, you know. And they sound so good together, you know. There are certain dimensions and flesh to the skin that the symphony drives, especially the overarching melodies towards the end of the song. Because Call of Cthulhu, for the most part, is quite a repetitive instrumental. I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. But it's not an Orion in a journey sense, or a Master of Puppets, for example. It kind of it's anchored very much on two main riffs, and it gives gives us gives Cayman a lot to play with, doesn't it? Absolutely, uh, I totally agree with you. Um, in the beginning, they're sort of just adding, you know, on the on the regular song on the regular song on Red the Lightning, they're sort of just adding um, more and more as they go. Mm. Um, but you're right; it's just anchored by those two riffs. But um, I thought what came and added, especially in the beginning, giving that sort of melancholy, you know, James made a joke in, uh, in the behind the scenes music, uh, the behind the scenes video about, um, he's like, Oh, is this Titanic? Mm. Uh, it has like a, uh, you know, like sort of like a melancholy dreary sort of intro. And then when they kick into it, um, that, that riff, that second part of the song, went, dun, 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 mm. and the uh, orchestra is, is backing that up. Um, I thought that was just fantastic, the way they build up that riff. They don't really add too much other yeah. than just make that more, you know, epic sounding. Yeah, they just, it's a pulse, uh, you know, right. fantastically behind <laughs> the harmonies, the echo across. Like, you know, as 
uh, we say, I said before, like, I'm not a bit of a philistine, I have to admit, when it comes to the orchestra, but I find it fascinating because I'm used to a guitar like yourself where you drive the sound, essentially, and the band builds around you. But here in the orchestra, you're pretty much a cog, aren't you, in an overall theme? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a perfect way to put it. Um, there's, there's, they, they sort of dance around the riffs and then they play the riffs and then they sometimes will just stop playing the and let they'll stop playing and Metallica will just play like, you know, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but in Master of Puppets, you know, they'll do that. They'll pl play dan 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 and then, you know, like they'll mm -hmm. have like a high string playing and then James is just hitting that riff. Um, and so they let they try to let it breathe. And I really like how Kamen lets, you know, the Metallica songs breathe where they need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, he knows the material very very well and yeah call of cthulhu it builds to such a high point at the end you know everything gathering uh towards the melody is dope and kicking into master of puppets which i don't think they'll ever do in a regular concert but here it feels right oh my god it's perfect it just what a way to get the show going you know that's right yeah um and they kick into that and you know they they kind of hang back and hetfield hits his riff and then, uh, you know, Hetfield, he's, he, he can just do whatever he wants. You know, he comes in with a, Oh yeah. Mm. And, uh, and you're in it, you know, they're doing the riff and, you know, it's just craziness. I mean, while they're playing, while they're playing the song, the orchestra is kind of doing their own thing sure. and it's, it's a lot happening at once, but, um, I think it works. I, I mean, I just love it. I, I have so much fun listening to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think it works. It's probably maybe the first point of the album where, I think the orchestra cloud slightly. Um, when the song comes out of its middle section and the solo is back into the final verse, just mm -hmm. before that you have James's riff, which kind of brings right. everything down to earth. But when he does the riff, they sort of play over it and it kind of robs it of its spotlight. Um, so that annoys me a little. I, I hear you on that, yeah. Um, it does a little bit, but um, you know what? I mean, they took the chance. They took the chance and they and they tried it. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard to say. I mean, I just, I'm kind of at a loss for words here. But uh, um, I, I just love what they do to back that middle section up. You know, I love um, the way they sort of like fill in the gaps because that middle part is just James and Kirk playing those riffs together. Those sort of like that those lead lines. And normally, if it was just Metallica, you would just have the bass and the drums behind it, but what he does is um you know the the orchestra sort of like fills in that little bit and that's what i think is fun i, I love when he does that in the, in the song and visually where do you rank the look of james hetfield in this era <laughs> um <laughs> the goatee i know um it's so 90s i mean the sort of long hair that's short <laughs> i can't really explain it <laughs> yeah it's so 90s yeah, uh yeah. It's funny because, you know, like when I saw them at Madison Square Garden, he had cut his hair and uh, watching the YouTube video of that Madison Square Garden show confirmed it. So he did cut that hair. It just that reminds me of that was like my head build. It reminds me of that sort of like limp biscuit. Everybody's sure. got a good tea, um, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, pre icon. Like, yeah, it's uh, right. Yeah. Dirty dirty grungy kind of yeah i mean the, yeah, master of puppets i should say is really good i think kirk kills the solo i think kirk is 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 great on snm mm -hmm. i think he plays yeah. well yeah 
Um, yeah, I mean, he's always saw, you know, he hyped for me. Like, I love Kirk Hammett. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, the first guitar I ever bought was a Kirk Hammett model ESP, nice. you know, guitar. Um, How was it? I, um, it was good. It was okay. good. It was a good beginner guitar. I had like the... Um, the Just kind had of the, auto war on constantly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, man, you know, I really feel like he hides behind that Wawa. Um, just, <laughs> he's got so much talent. He hides behind oh, that yeah. Wawa. Maybe he got bored. Maybe he just got over infatuated with it. But, um, mm. you know, that's why when I listen to Death Magnetic, I'm just like, oh, thank God. Like somebody just, you know, for most of that, like take that Wawa and just destroy yeah, it. Yeah, there's, so, there's <laughs> some. But I mean, so, to be honest, uh, we recently reviewed Damage Inc. on the show. And I haven't yeah. been able to get the solo out of my head, specifically for Kirk's War in that solo. So it's like, I hate it. But when it's done well, it's fank, It's fantastic. Absolutely. And that is actually uh, my personal favorite Metallica song, Damage mm. Inc. Um, and uh, yeah, Amazing. like that was, that, was, that was during the days when they were still trying to impress, you know, Master of Puppets, their second album. Like that's when they were, they were still, um, you know, I mean, they're always hungry, but that was when they were really trying to light a fire under everything. And so, um, yeah, I think his use of the wah-wah pedal during that era was much better than, say, you know, load, reload, or, you know, St. Anger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, James introduces the next song of Wolfgang of Man, um, which I appreciated. <laughs> I mean, of Wolf of Man, I think, I think it's another good performance. I think it's one that mixes the symphony in the sort of basis of the song without ruin. I don't want to say ruin, but, you know, some of these songs are quite delicate things, really, when you put stuff on top of them. But I think Wolfman is strong enough to carry this. Absolutely. I, I love that intro. Um, you know, dun, dun, mm. dun. And the strings are sort of frenetically behind him. Such a great counterbalance. And uh, when they get into the uh, verses, um, you know, the um, they have like these sort of like accents like off to the new days must I mm. run. These stabs of intensity. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, it doesn't take away from the song. I think it. Uh, I, I don't think it adds too much. Sure. Um, it's not my favorite song in the album, but certainly. Uh, but I, I will say that um, the, my favorite part of that song is, um, you know, when they when Jason does his howls and he says, <laughs> "Do we have any wolves out there?" Right. And uh, when that builds up, oh my god, yeah. it gives me chills. <laughs> and oh, when they go into that last uh, chorus. Um, that buildup is just, man, mm. it's something else. Mm. And it's, you know, it's hard to appreciate now, but considering, I don't know, them playing not the most obvious Black Album song on their new 1999 release. It's mm-hmm. cool that they sort of brought this song along, put it on early. I, it's really made me appreciate this song is this performance. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean... Uh, well, they did Enter Sandman, they did Nothing Else Matters on this thing, and then, is that the only... Oh, no, they did Sabbath True. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, to have that song, like a real fan favorite that early, um, yeah, it was... I mean, that was that's for the fans right there. I, maybe they did it as a filler, but um, I don't know. I, I absolutely appreciate it. I, I went nuts when they started playing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the biggest fan, Russell, I must confess, of the thing that should not be. Um, I know for a fact it was the last album, uh, sorry, it was the last song written for Master of Puppets, written in the studio, and it feels a little, I don't know, nothing personally, and I don't mind this rendition, the fifth track, but it's not outstanding as a collection. 
You know, man, I, I actually totally agree with you. Uh, it's not my favorite song in the world. Um, it's, you know, not super, super interesting. I do like, uh, I do love the solo. And on the album, um, you know, the way Kirk doubles that solo, he makes some really interesting sounds that I hadn't heard before. And he does go crazy with the wah-wah on that one as well. Okay. But um, but I totally agree with you. It's not the most interesting song in the world. Um, maybe for older generations of Metallica fans, they might have appreciated that song a little bit more than maybe, you know, the mid-90s fans. Um, I mean, but I was okay with that. I mean, I'm not going to complain about it, but I, I totally agree. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's not my favorite of their songs. No, no. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just sometimes there's interesting stuff that they do but it's a bit of a careen you know there's nothing too much of circumstance um you as a viewer you're sort of pulled uh, into fuel which i think is a good version um the orchestra piston like you know in mm. the in the background um l- lots of lots of build up lots of interplay i think this one works uh, you know well and kirk starts off with the with mm. the slot the orchestra is you know um, the orchestra is building and building and Kirk has that slide and he kind of makes sort of a, like a race car revving yeah. its end. And, uh, you know, the symbol star, give me fuel, give me fire, give me that, which I desire. Bam. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when <laughs> you hear the horns, boom, and then the, mm. and then it kicks in and dead down and they kind of, it's not a song that needs an orchestra, you know, let's be honest. It's, no. it's really not. Um, it's like one of their best songs, personally, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, having the orchestra on top of it just made it fun. They backed up the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And not necessary. Still fun. Still fun to listen to. And I don't think the orchestra really added that much besides the beginning, but um, I was just happy that they played it. And I think, I think Reload maybe sort of came out around that time, so they yeah kind of, kind of had to play it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they they mimic Reload exactly the double punch yeah. of fuel into Memory yeah. Remains, which uh, is the first kind of real exhibition of how awesome this crowd is. You know how vocal they sing. <clears throat> I have a really unpopular opinion of this. I hate this song. Um, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the song, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that was um, that was bathroom break for me. Oh, I, wow. I, yeah, I just... Even with the know, orchestra? Even this, like... No, I, I mean, I'm just saying that. I sure, don't know if I really sure. did go. I probably <laughs> didn't leave. Actually, this concert... What was the memory really doesn't remain, yeah. Yeah. What was really funny about this concert is not one single person sat down the entire time. Everybody was standing the oh, yeah. entire show. And I, it, I'll never forget that. Um, but, and, you know, for, for the memory remains, it was just kind of like, I mean, it's an okay song. I, I, you know, I'm sure I sang along with it. I just, that song is just not very interesting to me. Um, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, but, no. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way actually. I find the riff very aggressively monotone and the sort of the outro singing sort of gimmicky and yeah, I don't mm. know. Um I mean the orchestra sort of plays a cool ambiance here and there with the track, but it's yeah, like you say, I didn't really consider but yeah, you are right, because it was around this reload period, of course they're gonna, you know, do a few. The coolest part was that outro, like you said. Um Kirk was um kind of playing, you know, the outro riff a little bit and then uh you had Jason sort of leading the chant and you have the strings kind of um, 
playing the melody of that, you know, da na 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 na. And that was that was a cool moment. Everybody's sort of like clapping along and cheering. Um, but honestly, that was probably the best part of that song. I mean, it was, I think, pretty forgettable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, first of two songs, two new songs, which is very, very cool. Um, you know, not many bands do this, debuting new songs in new formats <laughs> and then never actually coming out again, which is uh, interesting. No real releases on proper albums. Um, the first one is No Leaf Clover. What, what are your thoughts on this track? I absolutely love this song um love it i mean i they i remember they released this song before the concert before the uh the sam album came out and i was hooked um you know james said in the uh in the documentary that he in his opinion he thought that this was the best song that lent itself you know to the um orchestra that that lent it the best to the orchestra And if it wasn't for Call of Cthulhu, I would absolutely agree. I mean, um, I was actually kind of obsessed with this song for a long time. It's so simple. It's so easy, but so different from anything Metallica had really done up until that point. Um, You know, the lyrics are simple. It's kind of probably on par, you know, musically with I Disappear. And I know I'll probably get you'll probably get some, you know, backlash for that. But, um, you know, in terms of like how complicated it is, it's not a complicated song at all. No. But the, um, the orchestra is necessary for that, that song. And um, I love that chorus. I just I was I love it. I absolutely love that song. Mm. And James is kind of jerky hiccup melody. Mm-hmm. You know, the way he sort of ups his vow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, love it. I mm-hmm. mean, shit, man, that guy could re- sing me the phone book and I would just <laughs> I would just uh you know, I listen to it every day. Um, he just, he took a chance, you know, I mean, the guy just like, he just hits home runs and he took a chance with his vocal melody with that. I remember Jason in the video was saying that, you know, it kind of caught him off guard. He wasn't really that interested. And the more he listened to it, the more it kind of caught on with him. And now he can't imagine the song without it. And I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's just perfect. And it kind of showcases Headfield's, you know, singing ability, you know, really well. Mm-hmm. And you know we'll discuss them together because they both were previously unreleased. Personally, for me, I actually prefer Minus Human to No Leaf Clover. Mm-hmm. I, I love that song too. Mm. Um, I personally love No Leaf Clover a little bit more. It mm. just for me, it's just a little bit more um, musically interesting. Sure, sure. I get. But it. I, it's more of a slammer riff, isn't it? Minus Human, I suppose. Yeah, and, and I love Minus Human. I mean, mm. I'm not going to knock that song at all. I no. Was amazing, mm. yeah, mm. yeah. They're, they're, they're good, you know. That mm. I, I I enjoy both these tracks. You know, I, I I think they're pretty successful in what they do. They kind of not necessarily. There's something slightly unfinished about both of them. I can't quite put my finger on it, but they're both you know really interesting songs. I think you know, and awesome to have them in the canon. Uh, a great rendition is track nine, Hero of the Day. Oh my God! Yeah. Um, wow. What a beautiful song. Mm. So unlike Metallica to put a song out like that, you yeah. know, maybe that was, you know, the nothing else matters of that album. Um, just uh, and really, you know, kind of upbeat, a little bit more upbeat than like you you'd really ever heard them before. A little bit more hopeful. Sure. Yeah. Than I ever than I had ever heard. And the orchestra, you know, accentuated that, too. Mm. And as a guitar player, I don't know if you appreciate this or anyone listening, but the main riff of Hero of the Day. 
for me, it's so it's so brilliantly simple because the the the, the most of it is just this consecutive run up the fretboard on this one pattern. But you have that da 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 that that sort of opening three notes, and it just uh -huh. casts the riff in a different direction and it makes it work better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, he does that actually in a couple of songs. He does that in um, one as well. Dude it, dude it, dude it. You know, like mm. he has this little. Um, it's like a lead in. It's like a lead into a riff. Sure. And um, uh, yeah, the way he sort of climbs the neck simply, and you know, sings that simple melody over it. It's um, it's really hopeful. And then when he goes to the chorus, uh, the chorus is, I believe, just an F sharp sort of power chord, but it's really Lars that kind of drives the, um, you know, with the double bass behind it. Mm. It's really, that sort of drives the tone. And and that's one of the things that I find really interesting about Metallica is that it's not. That's not a song that Hetfield could really play acoustically in front of a crowd by himself. Sure. You know, maybe the verses, yes, but when you get to that chorus, you need the band. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, and, and of course the orchestra just behind it. I mean, it was so, it's really nice to have a, a happy, a happy yeah. So I want to say a happy song. They know how to do happy, I think, <laughs> orchestras more. They're more familiar with it as terrain rather than, you know, angry San Francisco metal. Right. I got to imagine for some of them, that was probably one of their most favorite songs to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, the uh, it's it sort of dances in the beginning. It plays James's vocal melody and it kind of dances above, you know, um, uh, the music behind it. And uh um, really just beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Almost mm -hmm. Disney-like if, if you think about it, right. like that beginning of the song, almost, yeah, very, yeah. very Disney-like. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine Moana or some familiar character sort of, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in, yeah, with that, but just a quick interview actually, cause it's funny you mentioned, um, people in the orchestra enjoying, you know, the songs themselves. Virginmega.com, uh, interviewed the band after the gig and they asked James, were any of the symphony members Metallica fans? He said, definitely the heart player. We met him at the first rehearsal and we knew he was into our music when he rolled up sleeves and there were a bunch of tattoos. He introduced himself, hi, I'm the harpist. And we were like, get the fuck out of here, you're one of the stagehands. So, I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> that was so funny. What a great yeah. moment in the um, in the behind the scenes documentary too, because yeah. you could tell how appreciative he was. And um, there's a moment in it where he brings a couple of his friends in and he asked to take some photos with uh, James and they were they were more than happy to. And, um, man, what, I mean, I'll bet he just never thought in a million years no. that he would get that kind of opportunity. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, that was really fast. And then there are some guys who, uh, you know, who became Metallica fans, yeah. um, because of that. There's some guys, um, I remember there's a moment in that documentary where a guy walks up to Kurt. Um, I think it was Kirk. It might've been Lars, but he just walks up to him. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, Hey, thanks for the opportunity. And, and. You know, Kirk or Lars or whoever it was was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. And they start chatting and you know, they kind of became buddies, you know, outside of uh, he, he he wasn't intimidated. I mean, I sure. would be intimidated, but oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I'll, I'll bet they made some fans out of that. Yeah. Out of yeah. That crew. yeah, you're so right, because respect must be mutual because both of them nailed it. You know, it was important on both of them really hitting their marks, you know, in so many different senses. And it really is, you know, a wonderful fantastic concert you know I, I obviously sort of preaching to the choir here and anyone listening everyone knows SM is great maybe a slight downturn for me perhaps if i'm being uh, slightly scrupulous uh, we recently covered this actually on the show with luke 
uh, Devil's <laughs> Dance. Not one of my favorite songs. I hate the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know what? I'm, I'm actually going through your show. I'm going, you know, episode by episode. And right now I'm kind of ending, ending through the bees. Right. So I'm on, I'm on Blitzkrieg. Mm. So I can't wait to get to you devil's dance and hear you guys <laughs> just shred this song. But I just, I remember I was listening to, um, just recently I was listening to, I think it was one of the guys from the, uh, metal up your pod. Oh yeah. They talked about how much they like this song. Mm. And, um, man, I just I, I had to. I had to. <sighs> yeah, Clint especially is a reload sympathizer, and it's just yeah, it's tragic. Yeah, it's tragic. I mean the album's fine. This song is just not interesting. Um, it's kind of um, you know they kind of rip off their own songs. They rip off their own true. I mean, it's just. You know, maybe the verses are kind of cool. You know, yeah, I feel you too. Right, right. Da, da, da. Like that stuff is like kind of cool, but eh, it just seems kind of filler. Yeah, I agree. I think the intro is cool in of itself. I don't think the orchestra bring much to it because the actual song itself, I don't want to say it's orchestral, but if you listen to the reload version, there's lots of kind of chugging going on. There's lots of counter rhythms going on. It's quite a delicate harmony, you know, but I think ironically the harmonies when they come into it the symphony don't really add too much they kind of miss the cue of the now now it doesn't quite have the power i think there's something okay. about the way it's arranged i can't quite put my finger on it but there's not enough space there for it to breathe and again that's one of the problems where sometimes you think oh, i just want to hear metallica you know a lot of the time you are okay the orchestra works well but i think devil's dance is one of those I totally agree. Um, I mean, it, I'm interested to find out why they chose this song in lieu of other songs. Yeah. You know, oh, um, fade to black. Did right. fade to black really not work? Really? Right. Fade to black seems like such an easy yeah. choice and such a crowd pleaser. Um, and you know, maybe would have fit in great, maybe there or you know, in between No Leaf Clover and Hero of the Day or mm. oh, what about um, Hello Sanitarium? I mean. Sure. What do we, uh, you know, why not put Sanitarium in there? I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Devil's Dance. Maybe it was just because that was the album that came out. Um, that was on Reload, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, it was on Reload, yeah. So maybe they just had to kind of tuck another one in there because of the era. But um, at least it wasn't Bad Seed. <laughs> I like Bad Seed, actually. I know you do. I heard that episode. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. What, okay. What's wrong with it? <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's a, it's an okay song. It's just like yeah. um, just another one of those. It's like I mean, it's an okay song. I like all Metallica songs. I'm never gonna, you know. There's even stuff on Saint Anger that's just god awful. That I'll just say like, okay, like <laughs> at least it's Metallica. I like sure. everything by them, sure. you know. But um, it's like the Beatles. It's like even their worst mm. songs, just kind of like, well, okay, I like it's the Beatles, and there I can find some good quality in it. I mean, uh, just as a brief detour, Beatles. What is your favorite album? Uh, Abbey Road, Abbey Road. Abbey I had Road, to the yeah. I mean, the second the second Road. half is unbelievable. It's it's um it's unstoppable. I mean, um, I almost said Sergeant Pepper, mm. but it's it's Abbey Road. It, I think that's the one that I enjoy the most. Mm. Yeah, I've got Rubber Solar Revolver. I've got to stay a bit earlier. I think. I love yeah. those too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. But the th the thing is, there are so many Beatles podcasts. I kind of want to do one, but then I'm like, I listen to a few, and it's like there's no point in adding a voice to this like academic discussion. But you know, <laughs> I think you should, man. You have such a really you have such a really good knack for this. I actually found out about your podcast from a blog, a Metallica blog about oh, right. your. 
with your interview with uh, Fleming Rasmussen, which was fantastic, by the way. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah. And um, when I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm like, I'm I'm hooked. I'm gonna listen to this guy, and you know, you just have a really good way of keeping the information interesting and um and also you talk fast and that also really helps <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that i appreciate that man and um bleeding me is what closes the first disc yeah and it's it is a terrific rendition because this song you know is such a roller coaster of emotions already and i think mm. the orchestra come into their own here mm-hmm. love it um you know i love a good eight and a half minute you know sort of spaced out almost jam i mean Mm -hmm. really honestly they you know it's a very simple song it's a very simple riff um the the lyrics are kind of simple but um and i was listening to you dissect this song um uh i think this this is the one i just listened to i forget who your guest was Uh, yeah it was seb the egyptian guy who a few people criticized actually but i thought it was quite a good episode yeah, you know, uh, actually, it's funny. I was telling my friends uh, in preparation for this episode, I was like, oh, man, I hope I'm not boring. And then I listened to Bleeding Me episode. It's like, okay, I can. I think I could be a little bit more interesting. Not, not to knock him. Sure, um, sure. No, he's like a perfectly yeah. nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally appreciated his episode. So if he's listening, you know, um, hey, man, like, you did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, definitely check that episode out <laughs> if you want to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, you were saying, so are you watching this for research? Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, bleeding, I was listening to your episode and I love the song in general. Um, you know, this song and the outlaw torn, sometimes I get the two confused because they're very similar, but, um, bleeding me, I love not quite a ballad. It kind of like, you know, hangs in the balance of like being a ballad and being like, uh, a Pink Floyd esque sort of, uh. Oh man, what's the word I want to use here? It's just spacey and yeah, it's not proggy, and, but it's kind of epic. Yeah, 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 yeah. The orchestra lends itself really well, especially towards the end during the. Um, Kirk has this riff that's like Dah. he plays it on the slide. And um, when. It builds up and and James goes caught under wind or like mm. I am the beast that needs release or whatever he sings sure, sure. and um, into the chorus and uh, so powerful so epic I love the horns uh, backing that song up yeah I really love it I was yeah absolutely love it yeah yeah and uh, this too begins then with nothing else matters which is you know mandatory performance and yeah. a terrific one I think I think you know. This orchestra works brilliantly yet again and just brings out subtle details in the song because the song does have those spaces that allow uh, instrumentation absolutely and i'm really happy that they didn't just simply go with what um michael Kamen did on the album version because you know michael Kamen did the album um, sure, of course yeah which are not really they're not like really super prevalent on the no. album but i'm glad that he didn't just you know okay i already did this one next sure um but he really yeah with the uh it's just like these soft, subtle touches playing over the, um, you know, the opening melody and, um, man, I mean, just the way they back it up, it's, it's, it's just beautiful. And having, uh, I remember James sitting on the stool and, um, just him and just playing. And I remember he had an acoustic guitar. He might, I think he was playing like maybe an ovation or something. Mm. And, um, 
I remember he played the guitar solo on that acoustic guitar. He gets up and he kicks the stool away. And I thought, wow, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. He does that on the, I think he does that on the concert video too. Yeah. I think in cunning stunts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Just yeah, like, yeah. man, could, could, how could one man be so fucking cool? <laughs> <laughs> but such a soulful being on the guitar, like the solo, it just has those reaches. It kind of transcends the orchestra. It's like, no, here's a guy playing his electric guitar and his soul's pouring out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, this song was really a no-brainer with the orchestra. Um, the, the orchestra, it complements everything perfectly, um, especially when it goes into uh, never care for what they say and the sort of lead into that with the horns, the way they kind of swell um, it's like a movie soundtrack. It really mm-hmm. was like it, it, it swells really well and it, and it kind of makes him, um, makes, makes him his voice larger than life. His voice goes along. Perfect. He could have sang this song without the guitar. He could have sang this just over the uh, orchestra and it would have been beautiful. Yeah, that's true. Actually. Yeah. That, that's that interesting, uh, interesting thought. And uh, the, the disc continues and the disc is quality throughout you know i have to stress it really is you know fantastic um there's very few dips until it sleeps for you russell um as a song in general do you dig this one love it um yeah i mean i hate to you know i'm not there's really not a whole lot to knock but yes until it sleeps that was um probably one of the first songs that i ever heard by them and also one of the very first music videos that i can (laughs) it's such a twisted video right so weird (laughs) it's it makes no sense, no. and I remember Lars watching Lars and being like, "What the hell is wrong with this guy?" But I loved it, you know. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> and I'm I'm a huge Lars uh, supporter. Oh, I actually yeah. play in a band, and my drummer, who will probably hear this uh, once it comes out, um, my drummer absolutely hates. Uh, pretty much every drummer I've ever played with in any band um, kind of hates Lars. But True, I am a actually, huge, yeah. I'm a huge Lars supporter, and yeah. I will just like Ringo Starr. I'll be like, you know what, like. Lars wrote that shit, you know, like, I don't <laughs> yeah. care how technical he's not, but he wrote that stuff. Oh, yeah, he writes know? guitar solos. He writes cut I mean, stuff. <laughs> he does. Like. Yeah, and, and he, you know, he directs the, um, he directs the, the you know, the, 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 the feel of the song, the, the syncopation and, mm. uh, you know, when things need to uh, go double time and, um, you know, he plays over the guitar, which most drummers play over the bass. I've, and I've never considered Lars as Ringo, sorry, but that's such a good point. I'm, you know, I, I, <laughs> the comparison works. It does work in a celebratory way. Absolutely. I'm not saying that they're on the same level. Sure. Um, it's just that, you know, the Ringo, heart. Yeah, the rhythm. Yeah, exactly. It's like, is Lars the greatest drummer in the world? No. But at the same time, he is responsible for leading some of the greatest music and personally you know some of the greatest music that's ever been written i mean metallica are the beatles of the metal genre mm. uh, so you know and the same thing with ringo is ringo the greatest drummer ever absolutely not but he was there and he wrote that and he led the band you know in their rhythms and everything and that counts way more than technical ability i mean you can listen to um you know ingve malmstein and he is yes one of the best guitar players of all time but he didn't write master of puppets you know he didn't even write hero of the day so he wrote rising force he wrote rising force which <laughs> he wrote is, black I star 
Um, and, but he did also wrote I Am the Viking. Let's sure. be honest. Sure. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. <laughs> oh, my God. You've got to. It's okay. the most ridiculous song ever. Um, but I love uh, um, uh, Rising Force and uh, seventh, uh, seventh, seventh Sign. Um, the, there are a lot of Yngwie songs that I actually I'd really love, like. I'm I'd, sure. I'd love there to be an Yngwie Alpha Metallica. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a dedicated Yngwie nut. I'll bet there's a. I'll bet there's a. Uh, there's a market for it. I'll oh, bet yeah. there's. A for it. Oh yeah, he's huge. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, bad. Sure. Yeah, he's he's a big deal. Um, for whom the bell tolls. One of their yeah. greatest songs ever. This version is essential. Yeah, amazing. I mean, um, the orchestra doesn't really do much but back the band. I think. Um, I don't. Well, they think sort of, really... they sort of trade off, don't they, with the solo in the middle. Yeah. And the orchestra doing their own version of it. That's pretty unique. Yes. Yes, you're right. That is um that was really, really fun to listen to. I and I remember the ending of the song um being really, really epic and drawn out. You know, down down, down, mm. down, 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 down. I mean, I know I'm skipping the whole song and, sure, and sure. you know the bass riff and everything, but um I remember just the the orchestra really backing the band and not doing a whole lot else, but um, didn't really matter. I mean, just great song on its own. And similar to Memory Remains, the crowd is, you know, hugely involved here. Them singing back for whom the bell tolls to James. What do you think of that? Ah, oh, love it. Mm. Love it. I mean, um, you know, one of the things that I really distinctly remember from the concert are the lights. And I don't really think they had the same lighting going on at the... Um, Maybe they did, and maybe it was just the kind of room it was in at the California shows. But um, I remember the lights being, especially during Fuel and for for Whom the Bell Tolls, um, being just incredibly trippy, like really um, fast moving and erratic. And they uh, they were a show in themselves, and I remember them being pretty wild on For Whom the Bell Tolls as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Into minus human, which we've already discussed, uh, <coughs> along with No Leaf Clover. Wherever I may roam, I think it's a culprit of the orchestra. Nah, the little. I don't really do anything <laughs> for me here, you know. Um, yeah. Oh, and that's another Black Album song that we um, didn't mention before. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I mean, I like the sort of Indian, um, you know, Middle Eastern sort of uh, tinge that they put on it, and I think they did that just to kind of differentiate everything they were doing. They're trying to, you know just make it a little bit different from the rest of the lineup. Mm. Um, but I love this song. I absolutely love the song, especially, um, uh, uh, towards the end. Um, but, uh, give me all I need. Mm. It's such a cool. Yeah. I, but I agree with you. The orchestra doesn't do much, but it does, you know, accentuate. I, I, I like the middle Eastern sort of, uh, uh, twinge that they, they kind of put on it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it, it works in spaces. I felt the intro would have more of them on it, but it's a bit more, I don't know, they let the guitars lead a bit too much for me. Again, not necessarily, like everyone, Russell, turns to me and says like, oh, I love the Outlaw Torn. The Outlaw Torn's the greatest song ever, Outlaw Torn. <laughs> it's never, it's, yeah, it's never really <laughs> washed with me, and I think this version's okay, but I just don't like the core song. It's, um, I like it. I mean, it's like Bleeding Me. It has a sim similar feel. Um, I'm trying to think of how uh, the beginning goes. It has kind of like an open, uh, um, 
Yeah, it's not a super interesting song compared to everything else they've done. It's more, uh, it's just another one of those um, load era experimental, hey, we've been doing metal for 20 years. Let's try something different. Let's, you know, it's, um, but I, you know, I kind of agree with you. It's not my favorite song, but I, but I like it. I mean, it's another seven and a half minute, eight minute, you know, kind of. Yeah, it's seven two. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, sort of slog, I guess. Um, yeah i mean there's a lot of long songs um you know on here um and well wherever i'm at rome sorry seven minutes outlaw Tony is nine minutes 59 um, oh wow right right. you know i believe the longest thing yeah the longest thing on the album actually outstrips cthulhu outstrips bleeding me which are other nine minutes um sad but true is the seventh track on disc two it's a faithful rendition and that in itself means it's, it's a success right yeah, um, <clears throat> I probably have not a super popular opinion on this song. I'm not a huge fan of this song. Oh, wow. and, uh, I know. You know what? I'll probably, I'm sure somebody will probably write in and be like, oh, that guy sucks. But I'm never going to knock the song. Like, I do like it. It's just not in my, you know, it's not in my top 10. It's probably not even in my top 20. Um, wow. I just don't, I mean, it's a great song and I, totally respect what it did for metallica and what it did for the metal scene and i respect why people like it and what it means to them um but for me personally i don't connect to it as much as um say you know master of puppets or creeping death which creeping death is another one we should have brought up like why the hell did they not do that song sure Um, yeah yeah but i can imagine a a, 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 an orchestra over die die Um, but yeah, seven yeah. true. Like, I mean, it was fine. It just wasn't, you know, one of my, I liked it better than memory rem- remains. If that means anything. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> one, I think especially the intro to this is just spellbinding yeah. for me. I think they really paint a picture. Yeah. They tell a story with this one. I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I remember at the concert, they had flashing lights, with the gun, you know, with the gunfire. And I'm, I'm sure they've done that. I, I remember them doing that on, um, uh, the Canada, uh, death Quebec, Quebec magnetic. I'm sorry. Quebec magnetic, uh, yeah. Yeah. They didn't have the lasers, but they had sort of like flashing lights simulating the gunfire and the orchestra comes in and it swells. And this was the one after watching, rewatching the Madison square garden show, I noticed that they kind of, changed up a little bit which i thought was really funny i mean when you're there in the moment at the time you have no idea sure. but just going back and rewatching, i was like oh there's i i noticed that there were like you know a couple of things that were different than what was on the snm album but um you know that intro i could talk about this song all day i love this song i love what the orchestra how it swells in the beginning and um <clears throat> one of my absolute favorite moments in any metallica song is when he goes, hold my breath as I wish for death. Mm. And then he comes back around again and hold my breath as, and he kind of goes a little, uh, he he puts his voice in a little bit of a higher register. I love it when he does it live. And the orchestra actually took the time to accentuate that one particular moment. Mm. And uh, man, it just, it just gives me chills. And when they go into the, um, the very end, uh, darkness and pre- you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and then the orchestra has uh, it reminds me of Jaws, like the music mm. from Jaws. 
it's it's like and then um you know then james starts singing and uh wow they just that's a home run that has to be top three on that whole yeah that whole Sorry. Yeah, yeah, certainly, and I like when they harmonise at the end as well, and the orchestra's on top of that, and it Ugh. just, you know, one is absolute maelstrom of a track, uh, you know, Ugh. just the sort of where it takes you, and they keep up, they set pace, and, you know, one, I agree, yeah, is uh, certainly a highlight, and Sandman, of course, has to be played, um, what do yeah. you think of the rendition? Loved it. Um, I mean, uh, they made it really. F- this, I think, the orchestra made the song a little bit more fun, a little bit more lighthearted than the actual song sure. really is. Um, especially that intro, because um, they kind of everybody knows the song, and you know when it came in, you know the riff comes in, the orchestra starts right with it, and you have like this kind of uh, um, you have these uh, uh, these strings that cr- that kind of uh, play over the riff. Dun, 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 and like um it's um it just makes it a little bit more more fun i think it i think it was a little bit it made the song a little bit more lighthearted, which which was fine i mean it was definitely yeah it's an interpretation def- yeah yeah. Um, yeah yeah i agree i agree and we end with battery which yeah. is a slightly damp squib of a closer just because of, <laughs> as we said before it's not the best example of their you know synthesis yeah, um, this was the encore. So mm. they left the stage after Enter Sandman, um, and they they came right back on for Battery. They, um, I will say that the intro with the orchestra playing um, the intro to Battery uh, was amazing. Yeah, you have I think it was maybe a clarinet or something sort of playing Kirk's little down down, mm. um, you know, like his little lead line and. You know, it kind of swells in warmly, bum, 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 and then it just gets bigger and bigger. I thought that was such a cool touch. Yeah. Um, and the song Battery does not need an orchestra. Like, sure. <laughs> it has. It, there's no business being with an orchestra behind it, but it was still great to have the song. And, you know, when they would do Battery, like the... Mm. the orchestra would kind of you know hit those notes behind with it and that's where you can really see the uh, uh the musicians sort of sweating and you know uh, strings on their bows breaking yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. people throwing up i mean who knows what they were doing and but, it yeah should, it should it should be said as well that the the video that accompanies it which uh is on youtube as well as documentary as well um directed by wayne isham who is, you know, one of Metallica's closest confidants when it comes to cinematography. He directed Enter Sandman. He directed Sad But True. You know, he directed Fuel, Cunning Stunts, I Disappear. Like, you know, it's cool to see them using him. That's a gig of a lifetime. Oh, right? man. I mean, how cool is it to... Does he, does he also document all of the things that they're putting out now? Is he still with them? I'm not sure. The last thing he seems to have done with them was the Quebec Magnetic film, so I'm not sure okay. what anymore, but... Um, he also did some Nickelback videos in 2014, so he's still working. I won't hold that against them. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, all in all, S&M, you know, as we've made clear, um, is ridiculously good. You know, whatever, if you're watching it or listening to it, you know, it's a remarkable release. Um, just personally, for you, a top three of best tracks uh, from the album? Uh, number one, Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, No Leaf Clover. And number three, Master of Puppets. Mm, yep. okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even 
and we didn't talk about the uh, the intro, the uh, ecstasy of gold. Oh, that's right. Which, um, you know, cool. just to just to briefly touch on that, um, you know, because I've seen them, I've seen them afterwards, and uh, you know, they always just play the good, yeah. the bad, and the theme. Tight, but yeah. after they did this, now they started playing the ecstasy of gold from S and M. At least the time that I saw them afterwards. Um, but wow, what a cool, you know, what a cool intro, what a cool thing to do and have, you know, James come out by himself and start playing the riff and then, you know, uh, have Lars come out afterwards. I mean, what a great intro. Mm. <clears throat> yes. what, what, are your, what are your what are your top three? My top three, I'd put Cthulhu at number one, as, as similar to you. I'd probably put one as number two and mm. um, Bells for number three. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of highlights, really, and uh, you know, it is a remarkable release here. Um, Bob Rock was a producer as well and an engineer, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Kind of gets continuity there. If you actually go on the Wikipedia and look at the credits of the San Francisco Symphony um, Orchestra, there are so many people. I don't. It, it mm-hmm. must be near a hundred, you know, just for the violins alone. There is a mm-hmm. ridiculous amount of people. There's probably about twenty people. It's like it's mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, interesting uh, side note. I don't. I don't think they use this uh, orchestra at the Madison Square Garden show. I right. think, if I remember correctly, they used the St. Luke's Orchestra, um, so which probably would have pre- required its own level of preparation because the Madison Square Garden show was like six months after the. Oh, okay. Um, it was like six months or so after the, uh, uh, the, the, the concert video. So they had time to, um, you know, kind of like, uh, recoup, refresh and, and, you know, fine tune the whole thing. Mm. Um, and then they did the Belgium show. I, I'm surprised they didn't do more. It was probably incredibly expensive, um, to put that production on, but, um, but yeah, I just, I, it was actually the first concert I ever went to. Right. Um, and I still have, I still have the concert uh, ticket stub, too. Yeah. So Great. I feel incredibly fortunate for that. That's awesome. I'm actually just <laughs> reading a book at the moment by Richard Buskin, uh, which is called Beatles Crazy. And it's kind of a catalog of all the Beatles memorabilia that came about, especially during Beatlemania. You know, <laughs> any old crap they were on, like George Harrison's head as a soap dispenser or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, he talks about ticket stubs, actually. So keep hold oh, wow. of that, man. Um, you, ne- yeah. you never know. Absolutely. Have you read um, This Monster Lives, uh, the uh, companion book to... Um, uh, some yeah, kind the of... movie. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was one that I recently read, and I have um, uh, um, Enter Enter Night. Is that the one by... Enter Night. Enter Night is very good as well, yeah. I need to do a podcast on Metallica books. Um, yeah. I've picked up quite a few. Uh, there's loads I haven't read, actually. I haven't read Unjustice for All. Um, which I know is a highly, highly prized uh, biography of the band as well. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually got Metallica Unchained, which is quite a cool one, up to the Black Album, sort of big photo mm-hmm. books. So, yeah, there's a lot out there. Um, just yeah. check, check your local Amazon uh, store and such. But um, we'll, we'll close up uh, S&M 2, if it happens. What are some songs oh, you man. need to see? Oh, uh, oof. well, um, you know, we probably have to put on, uh, it, it would have to have The Unforgiven. Um, it's, it's, I mean, I can't even forgive them for not putting that song on the first S and M. I mean, it's just, it's made for that. Mm. Um, unforgiven, not doing unforgiven two, not doing unforgiven three. Um, I'd love to see low man's lyric. I'd love to see, um, uh, maybe, um, man, I'm trying to think of like a good death magnetic song to put on there, you know, like maybe like something like cyanide or, uh, 
bum 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 right um or even something off the new album you know maybe like uh i mean spit out the bone is like one of their best songs they've ever written um personally and uh oh you know what um the day that never comes that would be perfect for sure sure yeah yeah it's a good show well yeah what about you what do you think ah i think you've just got you've got to do the other instrumentals you know you have to oh yeah although i think orion though i I think the central section, you know, the wonderful harmonized section, I don't know what an orchestra could really bring to that. I fear it would cloud it slightly. Um, mm. But Till It Was To Die, I think, would work a little bit better as well. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, there's quite an What about The Four Horsemen? Four, yeah, I guess something for Kill Em All. Yeah, something could be a bit more of a challenge, maybe. Like, if they treated Motor Breath like a fuel or something, then it could work. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, they, hopefully they do. I mean, there's no reason why they would, and they most likely won't. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's a popular album. It sold five million in the U.S. Oh, man. That's crazy. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I mean, what a monster. I, I just remember um, when this thing came out, um, you know, all my friends and I, we were just... And, it's you know, it's funny to freak out over an orchestral album. Yeah, you know, especially being, being that young. Um, you're just like, oh, my God, have you heard Metallica with an orchestra? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um. It, which would normally probably be one of the lamest sentences ever, but it really worked. Um, you know, the, they've really only ever had a couple of misses. I mean, Lulu, you know, which should stay dead and buried. But, um, you know, yeah, this uh, yeah, this thing, they just they just absolutely knocked out of the park. I, I, I don't know any other band that could do it without, you know, thinking, oh, well, Metallica did it the best. You know, they didn't necessarily do it first, but they definitely did it the best, I mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it's totally true what you say as well. I remember selling the album to a friend on that proviso. Like, you know, they've got, they got timpanis there and big, you know, it's just weird, but it does. Yeah. It, it accentuates, um, you know, yeah. and complements, which is exactly what you need this sort of, uh, you know, partnership to do. Um, so um, I guess, I guess finally, uh, Russell, is there any, you know, podcasts, any bands, anything you'd like to hock your wares here or? Um, yeah, sure, man. Um, well, actually, you know, before I get to that, I wanted to tell you, uh, there was one episode of your podcast that, um, I had a bone to pick with, uh, whoever right. was on it. Um, it was for the astronomy episode. Oh, and, early uh, episodes. That, yeah. 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 Um, that is actually, I know it's not a very popular opinion, but that is, um, if it wasn't damage incorporated, that is actually my favorite Metallica song. Really? And it totally turned me on to blue oyster cult and um i think it's a really like overlooked song so if you're ever gonna go through the alphabet again or you're ever gonna do like a re <laughs> we're not doing this again <laughs> maybe, maybe one day um, but uh no okay so yes um i have a band uh we're a jam band we're like mm -hmm. kind of funky progressive rock uh we're called squash we're based out of savannah georgia mm -hmm. and you can check us out on facebook at uh squash jams Right. Um, and one of my other uh, one of my other favorite podcasts besides yours is um, James Bonding. I'm not sure if you're familiar with I've it. I've not heard of that. What is that? Oh my god, it's fantastic. It's um, it's these two guys, Matt Gorley and Matt Myra, and uh, they're obsessed with James Bond, and they watch one movie. Um, and they'll get on like a celebrity or a, a comedian, and they'll either tear it apart or they'll, you know talk about how much they love every intricate detail and then they'll do kind of these side episodes sort of like how you do where they'll rank things or they'll talk about the top 10 villains and right. for any James Bond sort of cinephile mm. it's um 
called James Bonding and it is absolute must. That's cool. That's cool. That's good. Good to, good to hear about. So yeah, I'll, yeah. Pop, I'll pop all the links in the description. Um, please, everyone in the comments, let us know what do you think about the album, our discussion of it, what are your favorite tracks, what do you want to see on SNM2, etc. Uh, please subscribe, please leave a review on iTunes. Patreon, if you want to help support, go on to the Patreon, at MetallicaPod. Uh, if you want to come on as well, find MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Keep listening to SNM, it is fucking fantastic. You know, it's been great doing the research for this, great doing the episode as well. Um, Russell, thanks again, man. Thank you, man. This was great. And, uh, you know, I love your podcast and this was uh, truly an honor. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.